I think as police officers, we've got a really warped view of mental health because, mm. you know, I'm not standing on a street corner, you know, drinking out of a can of beer. That's that's sort of the mental health that we see, isn't it, when people have lost all of their things. So I didn't want to admit it to anyone at work because I was a supervisor. You're in charge of all these people. They need to depend on you. I put postnatal depression into our intranet and nothing came up. And then I just thought one day, do you know what, actually, there's no one to talk to. No one's talking about all of this, but I'm not talking about it. I'm expecting someone else to do something that I'm not doing. And mm. I just, it was like a, a light bulb moment one day, just sat there at work in the writing room. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be that person who's going to go, here we are. This is, this is a problem. If you're a police officer or currently working in law enforcement and you're considering your career, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Andy Labrum. Welcome to the Blue Light Leavers podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Blue Light Leavers podcast. So today I'm talking to Jen Sharpling. Now, Jen is the national lead for perinatal mental health in policing, which is a work stream under the National Family Support Group. She runs the national team and she does all she can to ensure that there's support for men and women in policing when it comes to perinatal mental health. She gives talks to raise awareness. And uh, she also talks about her own personal journey. Now, in this episode, we talk about signs and symptoms and the impact of prenatal mental health and postnatal depression and the impact, uh, the impact on the mum and impact on partners. We also talk about the help and support that's available. Now, this issue has a huge impact on relationships at home and also how parents feel about returning to work. And what I really wanted to do was highlight the amazing work that Jen's doing and to help raise awareness. Let's go over to Jen now. Hi, Jen. It's fantastic to have you on the Blue Light Leavers podcast. I'm so glad we connected on LinkedIn. And, uh, um, and yeah, I, you know, the, the post really hit home. And we'll go into that in more detail, obviously. But uh, I just thought I, I need to give you an opportunity to to tell more people, if you like, and, and uh, you know, s- spread the message. So it's uh, yeah, a real honour to have you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It's really, it's really important. Um, for me to get it out there so given the opportunity yeah. is really fantastic oh, oh amazing and we've got another little guest on the uh, yeah episode and this as is well, my youngest we? my youngest jude uh, who's four months old you'll probably hear two of the others in the background who've just returned from their nursery but oh, daddy, will, daddy will keep them under control oh amazing <laughs> well if you need if you need a break at any point just give us a shout we're yeah. quite happy just to pause and we'll always come back into it so whatever you need it's not at all but um um so would you just give us a quick introduction into, into you and tell us a little bit around your career history as well, Jen? Yeah, so um, I'm Jen Sharpling. I'm a sergeant in the Metropolitan Police on a response team. Uh, I've been there 14 and a half years um, in a South London, a really busy South London borough. Um, most of my, um, well, all of my service actually has all been on response team uh, policing. Um, obviously I've had a few dips out for maternity leave I've got four children um, mm. under the age of six so it's quite a challenge um, wow. and my husband is also a policeman um, so it, it can be a challenge but um, yeah. it's, it's a fantastic job so yeah, those stuff. do help us out yeah amazing well it's um, yeah and you know four kids under six and holding a career and doing all the other support work that you're doing as well. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. So, um, um, so in terms of your career history, what sort of roles have you been in, in the police? And then if we can talk about 
the uh, you know what's happening in terms of perinatal yeah. and mental health. That'd be fantastic. So, how that all came about. I, I started off as a, a PCM response team, um, and I did that until I became pregnant with my first um, baby in 2016 and then I was obviously moved into a sort of indoor role in like the the sort of borough control room um and it was at that I passed my sergeant's exam um and then I was um, unsuccessful in my first sergeant's process but then I redid it when I was um heavily pregnant with my um second boy so I had my promotion board three weeks after he was born and luckily I did it. I was successful. So that was really good. Um, And then I went back to team after my maternity leave with him as a a team supervisor. So again, just, you know, response to frontline policing. Um, And then I became pregnant with my third boy. I've got four boys. And um, during that maternity leave, I thought, oh, I might um, do my inspector's exam. So I did that and I um, passed that. And then um, I did the inspector's process with uh, the Met, but unfortunately it wasn't successful. Uh, and then I applied to Kent um, under their um, transfer and promotion process and I was successful. So um, I'm just, I'm still in the Met at the moment because I've, I've found out I was pregnant quite soon after that. So, but um, I probably will be transferring to Kent as an inspector after this maternity yeah. leave. So. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. That's, that's incredible. Um, so how did this all come about then? How did you, um, I'm not sure how to sort of word it really, but so, you, you clearly realised that something wasn't right. Yeah. So I've, I've always wanted to be a mum. Two things I always wanted to be was a police officer and I always wanted to be a mum. You know, it's something I thought about um, since I was really young. And when I got pregnant with my first one, it was just, you know, I was so excited. And then he was born. um, And I remember, like, lying there just after he'd been born and being a bit, oh, wait a minute. Like, where's all these, where's all the fireworks? Where's all the stars and the rainbows? Like, this is, have I, and I thought, oh, gosh, have I I made a mistake? Have I thought all this time that I wanted to be a mum? But actually, now I am. I, I don't really want to. Um, but I sort of pushed it to to the back of my mind, and you know, I didn't really think about it. But it, it was sort of it it pottered on quite a bit. And then a couple of weeks later, someone came round to visit um, the baby, and they said, "Oh, he, you know, he's so beautiful. I love him. I just want to take him home," which is a really normal thing for someone to say. Um, but I remember sitting there, my, I remember my mum being there as well. And I remember sitting there thinking, she's going to, she wants to steal the baby. Like this, this uh, friend who'd come round. And it really, like I believed that all of a sudden. And I just thought, oh gosh, that's, that's a bit um, funny. And then I just sort of wrote it off as a, you know, this is, this must be what happens when, when you become a parent, you know, you, you obviously are going to worry and, um, but, but it just kept going and going. Um, then when I was pregnant with, um, Harry, my second one, when I would say I was probably at my very most poorly, um, it was just, it, it was just, I was frightened of, you know, I'd take the baby out, um, to, to, coffee shops and before I went in I'd be looking around just to check to see if anyone you know looked like they might try and steal the baby you know things like that and it was just constant 
fleeting thoughts all the time. And, and I remember going to the midwife when I was heavily pregnant the second time. And I said, oh, I remember saying to her, I feel a bit anxious at the moment. And she went, oh, love, and carried on typing on her um, laptop thing. But if she'd have asked me why I was feeling anxious, that's why I always say to people, ask twice. Because mm. if she'd have actually said, oh, why? I'd be saying, well, I'm setting alarms at night to wake myself up because I'm, I'm worried that the umbilical cord is around the baby's neck and he's going to die, so I make him move. But she didn't. So I thought, well, so that response to me said that it was normal what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. That was a normal mm -hmm. behaviour. You know, I'd I'd come downstairs in the morning um, after Harry was born and he'd be in the nursery in his cot and I'd be too frightened to go in because in my mind I thought he was going to be dead when I walked in there. So I'd sort of knock on the door to wake him up to assure me that I wasn't going to go in and find a dead child in the cot. Mm -hmm. I was very compulsive around windows and doors and things like that. And then I got pregnant with my um, glutton for punishment, obviously. But because I thought it was normal, I just thought, mm -hmm. well, this is it now. So we we fell pregnant with um, my third boy. And I remember going to the midwife appointment, like the booking in um, thing. And I just sat there and, and, and you know, this at this point, this has been going on for three years or nearly four years. And I sort of sat there and, and I, I've never felt, I was, I've never felt suicidal, but I did sit there and, and think, how can I live like this? Does, does that make sense? So I didn't, yeah, does, I didn't yeah. want to take my own life, but I didn't understand how I was just going to be able to just feel like this all the time because I just felt afraid. Everything made me afraid all the time. Um, and a couple of weeks before, I'd been on the bus with, um, with the two and there was a girl there. And, you know, I'm a police officer. I've worked in, you know, really dangerous places and this girl, she obviously had special education needs. She was about 19. She was talking to um, Noah, my eldest. And she said to him, she was doing a childcare course, and she said to him, do you want to come with me? And, um, you know, you could come with me, give mummy a break. She didn't mean it. She was just saying it. And I got off the bus and I ran home because I saw that as, as a threat. So when I said to the midwife, I, I, I don't feel like something's right here, something... And then um, I sort of said, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of getting better. And then I sort of burst into tears and she was like, yeah, we've got a real, you're really poorly, essentially. And she said, you're, you're really unwell. Um, so I was referred to the perinatal mental health team um, and, and, and it, it just started to change my life. I couldn't believe it. I was under them for a year. So I was never admitted, um, but I was with them uh, seeing a therapist and I had week, uh, weekly and then fortnightly check-up phone calls from a mental health nurse um, just to make sure I was okay. I was given medication and things like that. Um, and then I went back to work. I thought, God, you know, I'd really, really wish that I could speak to someone about this. I think as police officers, we've got a really warped view of mental health. Because, you know, I'm not standing on a street corner, you know, drinking out of a can of beer. Um, that's, that's sort of the mental health that we see, isn't it? When people have lost all of their, you know, their things. Because So I didn't want to admit it to anyone at work because I was a supervisor. You know, you're in charge of all these people. They've, they need to depend on you. Um, I put postnatal depression into our intranet and nothing came up. And... Um, and then I just thought one day, do you know what, actually, there's no one to talk to. 
No one's talking about all of this, but I'm not talking about it. I'm expecting someone else to do something that I'm not doing. And mm. I just, it was like a, a light bulb moment one day, just sat there at work in the writing room. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to be that person who's going to go, here we are. This is, this is a problem. And, and I wrote a blog, which was terrifying. Um, because obviously the Met's a big four, so it's basically going to about 45,000 people. Um, but then people started contacting me and saying, oh, my mm. God. And that was just what I wanted. You know, that is that mm. is what I needed. I wanted to be the person that I'd needed for someone else. And mm-hmm. it's all just really spiralled since that, really. Incredible. Amazing thing to do. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just really pleased. Obviously, you got the help and support that you needed, and, and we'll talk about it from, um, you know, from that support that you're giving. But I know you also give support to, to partners as well, so uh, which yeah. would be really good to get into as well. Um, something really, I guess, I should have talked about right at the beginning, or I should have asked right at the beginning, is the difference between perinatal and postnatal, or is there a difference? No, so perinatal um, is the um, period between conception and up to the point where um, a child is one years old. Mm-hmm. So it covers the, the whole the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, while seeing as you have mentioned it, there are lots of preconceptions that um, perinatal mental health is just after you've had the baby. But actually a lot mm, of um, certainly the anxiety side of things can happen whilst you're actually pregnant. Um, so there are lots of... They can all happen before as well. It's not just a, an after the baby's been born thing. Well, and the whole hypervigilance and all that side of things. I mean, that must have been really, really challenging. It's uh, I yeah. Can't, I, can't imagine I mean, it's great. It's great to be a copper. So when I was at work, it was fantastic. You know, hypervigilance <laughs> is exactly what you need, isn't yeah. it? But, um, yeah. but certainly at home, it was. You know, ev- everything yeah. was a. Was a th- you know people would probably look at me walking around the shopping centre with you know my lovely children and all that, but all I was thinking about as I was walking around was um, exit routes in case there was a marauding terror attack, you know, and looking at people. Anyone who looked at the baby with any kind of fondness was you know was a real, and I was I I explained the feeling certainly to to coppers of of how it feels is that when we go to like a a burglary in progress on a night duty and you're going into the house and it's all dark and and you've got your heart's beating because you you just don't know what you're going to find or who you're going to come across that's how I felt all the time you know walking Mm. down the street with the pram I I would and it wasn't just it was actually seeing it happen in front of me you know a car coming and knocking the the pram over and stuff like that it's really and and it takes over your life completely and it's really difficult as a police officer because when you go to therapy or people say oh yeah but what's the chances of that you've seen the worst that can happen and you've seen that it does happen so it's really hard um to sort of knock that out of you almost that that reality because you've seen the worst that people can do yeah. to children catastrophizing like definitely is really difficult yeah. I'm, I'm exactly dreadful at that really bad at that it's something that yeah. bothers me quite a lot and uh, um you know teenage kids and and uh, yeah and i will and worry all i have done because of the stuff that we've seen and yeah. you know they pick up on it as well it's it's very challenging so um so 
the support is amazingly it was recognized you got the help and support you needed and and you know the therapy that you needed as well and um um so what has been put in place now either nationally or you know within the met and and you know because there's bound to be people who are listening to this both from a um a partner's perspective and obviously um as a as a new mom um, yeah. who are going to be listening to this thinking, oh my God, you know, exactly as you, you talked about that light bulb moment, but listening to this could be that light bulb moment for them yeah. in terms of, I thought it was just me. Um, so what help support is out there either nationally or, so or within force? The first thing I always say to people, if um, if they feel that something's wrong or if you feel that someone you love or work with is something wrong, um, the GP, you'd always go to the GP. And if someone if someone discloses to you at that point, I don't think something's right here, there and then help them. Don't say, oh, we'll talk about this next week or we'll, you know, let me know how it goes. Ring the GP up for them there and then and help them because that could be your only little window before they go back into their sort of mist and fog mm. of, of it all. Um, but on a policing level, um, I've set up a peer support group in the Met Um so we've got quite a few members there. We have sort of virtual coffee mornings on Teams and things like that. We had one yesterday, actually. Um, and it's just a chance for people to chat, really. It's not – I mean, a lot of people, due to the um, nature of what we talk about, they'll just come and listen. Um, and I'm happy if, if if anyone just comes just to listen because that may be, like you say, someone might go, oh, actually, I thought that the other day or I had that feeling. Um, and I think it's really important as well um for people when you're in it you either don't realize you're in it or you wonder like I did at the end is this ever going to end and I you know I've never wanted to be like the poster girl for something but if I can be the poster girl for you will come out the other side then I'm happy with that because mm-hmm. just offering anyone just that little like glimmer of like mm-hmm. hope um and I've I've gone to, I went to the um, the chair, um, she's an inspector from uh, one of the Yorkshire constabularies. She's the chair of the National Family Support Group. And I contacted her and said, look, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I feel like this should be on the national agenda. We should be talking about this. This affects one in five women. It affects one in 10 men. And, you know, if you add on the complexities of being a police officer, uh, on top of all of it uh, uh, horrific suicide rates especially amongst men you know we really need to be talking about this and raising awareness about this um you know we're all very proud aren't we in the police you know we're the protectors but we need to start we talk about mental health a lot but we don't do a lot when it comes to our own personal mental health um and, mm. and she was fantastic she was like yeah come on board um and we've just actually um done some sort of national guidance uh, with the national police chief councils which should be coming out and it has a part in it about perinatal mental health so um when i was first starting out i did a survey and put it on twitter and just thought oh you know if i get if i get 20 responses that'll be grand and i got 800 in the end um it was a a lad for a pc from work just helped me set up this survey and it really it it showed that it was a real post like line manager lottery as to what support you got. And I don't, you know, I, I'm a line manager. It's really difficult, but if a lot of it is lack of awareness as well, I don't think it's a, it's an intent on not wanting to support. It's a not knowing how. 
Um, so I went up there. So I know that there are different forces now who have got specific peer support networks that have set up um, specifically for perinatal mental health. Um, I work a lot with a gentleman called Scott Mayer, who um, he does a lot about paternal mental health. So around dads, you know, the forgotten, especially in COVID, there was a lot of, you know, dads missing out on a lot of things, not being able to support um, their partners um, and things like that. So it's just, it's a work in progress. We've, we've got some research going on at the moment with um, two um doctors from um i think they're the ou they're linked in with one of them's an ex-detective inspector actually from gmp um and they're doing it around the sort of um complexities of perinatal mental health and employment in policing and how you know organizational influences can really have an impact on an individual um so that we can i want it to be a consistency around one of the so we talk about loads of things in policing, don't we? We've got 43 forces and everyone does something a little bit different mm. to the other one. But I think when it comes to mental health, there needs to be consistency and support because it can, you know, I know sometimes people think, oh, it's a bit dramatic, but it can be the difference between life and death when it comes to mental health. So it, it, yeah. it needs to be a big thing and it needs to be consistent as well, I think. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Um, amazing work that you're doing. Well done. Incredible. You should be really proud of that. And obviously with raising a family and passing probation and everything else you've got going on as well. It's uh, it's incredible. So well done. And absolutely stuck. Um we've we've spoken about signs and symptoms to some extent, but from if we look at it um at this point from a partner's perspective, yeah. um, male or female. Um, but how do you know, how do the, what are the signs and symptoms? What should people be looking for in terms of how they might be feeling? I know, so you know I think, then so maybe reaching out for help and support. I think the biggest, the, the one that I always talk about first um, when we talk about signs and symptoms is postpartum psychosis. Um, and that is a real, um, that's, an, that's a medical emergency, essentially, postpartum psychosis. So, you know, it can be, I, I, I dealt with a, a, a young woman um, in my earlier years in the job and um, she was frantic. She could, you know, she could see things. She was all over the place. She pulled a knife out on her dad. And, um, and I remember her boyfriend coming in and basically saying, you know, what are you doing here? You know, we don't need the police. Like, what's, what's the problem? And I said, well, I think she's having... Um, I think she's got postpartum psychosis that the ambulance are going to... And he said, oh, don't be ridiculous, she's fine. And he walked into the room and he came back and he was pale as anything. He was like, I literally saw her this morning and this has happened just like that. So, you know, if that sort of frantic up and down hallucinations and stuff, that's a medical emergency. So you need to dial 999 with that. Um, yeah, sure. I think with the... Certainly as sort of as a, a partner... I think it's just, it's okay to ask. Like, I think I was, one of my symptoms of um, anxiety, which I actually never knew was a symptom of, of um, anxiety, was I was angry all the time, you know, and not just, um, you know, a bit miffed about things, like a burning rage. I mean, my poor husband, you know, we've never been, you know, we never really had arguments or anything. And I think he, he as well, because he, didn't know anything about it probably thought oh well you know <laughs> this witch that I've married you know now she's had a baby she's gonna be horrible to me for the rest of my life you know um but actually 
it was both of our lack of awareness about the signs and symptoms because no one, you know, you go to these NCT things and no one had mentioned anything about, no. they talk about the baby blues. Um, but, you know, the baby blues happens, I think it's about six to 10 days after. It's manageable and, and it's not long term. So that's, you know, and, and it's a hormone thing. And, but depression is unmanageable and it lasts a lot longer. There's um, OCD for me. You know, people go, oh, so you're really tidy and you're really organised. But it's so much more than that. It's not my cans of Coke aren't all facing the right way in the fridge. It's, it's me checking, um, going up and down the stairs three or four times when I go to bed to check that I've locked the front door. It's checking all of the windows every night. It's, um, I was obsessed by um, the, the hobs. That, that the mm. hob might be le- left on because of, of gas. You know, it's not it's not just the organising of, of things because I think sometimes people think, oh, that's a really positive thing, but actually it's really scary because you have mm. lots of intrusive thoughts which which are what lead, it, lead to the compulsive behaviours. Mm. Um, as I said, the anxiety, if they're, you know, if they're sort of a lot angrier than they usually are or, you know, emotional. People write off it as hormones, don't they? Oh, she's crying because, you know, she's... I was crying all the time and people were just like, oh, it's the hormones, you know, it all go back. Um, so I think it's just... People need to... People... I, I never want to take away the magic of having a child or, you know, make it in any way negative. But I really want people to be aware that, you know what, it's okay when you first have that baby. If there are fireworks, that's amazing. But if there aren't, mm. that is also amazing because mm. you're tired. You know, it might have been a long process, you know, and also mm. you've had this baby, you don't know them. You know, you don't know who they are. They don't really know you and so I just think for partners I would say if you think that anything's wrong then ask the person I would have you know snapped back and said of course I'm fine you know I'm just tired and all this Mm -hmm. but if you really are think oh actually no you can always speak to a doctor you can always phone up the GP and say look my um, partner is is acting strangely or I'm a bit worried you know she's she's got three we've got three month old and you know um, this is going on it's not just the newborn tiredness phase it feels a bit different um and if anyone if you don't and I would say to you know women as well if you don't feel right just say it even if you just say I don't feel right I can't quite put my finger on it but I don't feel happy or I don't feel you know okay speak to the health visitor you know because actually they, I got enhanced care when I was pregnant with this one. And what I noticed, having obviously had four um, with the same um, trust, was the enhanced care was that every single appointment I had, they asked me how my mood was and mm. how I was feeling. That was it. Mm. So why aren't we doing that all the time? Yeah, it should be standard, shouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. but the enhanced yeah. care was... I think I got a few extra phone calls, but it was just that every single appointment I had with any kind of medical professional during my pregnancy, mm. I was asked, are you okay? And how is your mood feeling? How easy is it? How, how quick was that to say? Because yeah. that could be the one question that someone goes, well, do you know what, actually, I'm really angry all the time at the moment because my husband's not 
to, you know, and that's just a one little thing that can yeah. make such a difference. So simple. You know. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And like you said, ask it twice. Like you said earlier. Yeah. Well. I always but, say yeah. ask it twice because it's really easy, isn't it? You walk down the corridor, you go, all right, if you go, yeah. Don't know. Yeah, if you go, yeah, but you're really all right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah. listen and, and make sure that they they know that you actually care about the answer as well because we're, we're so busy in our lives, aren't we? And people, mm. you know, people get lost and and then they so you, you get into this almost like despair that no one cares. So mm. you you sort of go deeper and deeper into yourself and that's when the real big problems start, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, are there many other force representatives? Because I'm just yeah, thinking so- as people listen to this, you know, across the UK and um, um, obviously globally as well, but, you know, across the yeah. UK, do you, is a sort of like a forum or anything that that? And what I'm thinking is there may be other people listening to this that think yeah. I know exactly what you've been through and I want to do the same sort of thing for my force. Yeah, so I'm um, I'm obviously I the national lead and coordinate a team of officers that we've got on various uh, from various different forces that um, do sort of a lot of the national work with me and also on their in their individual forces. So like Thames Valley um, have someone. Um, BTP, I've got someone from BTP from the Civil Nuclear, um, and a couple of other forces. So that, but I always say to people that they can, if they contact me, I've always got a contact. I've got loads of contacts in in different forces who I can put them in touch with because I do get contacted a lot. I get contacted a lot on Twitter um, from from people, and and I think it's really important that I'm sort of. I'm like the Met doesn't own this. This is this is like yeah. me. So yeah. I think it's really important to be that sort of individual person who people can trust to come and speak to. But then I think it's really important as well. I always say to them, look, you know, I can I can give you advice about these things, but actually let me put you in contact with Lucy, for example, who um is in your force. Because it's about pushing people back into the safety of their forces, not dragging them out so they're on their own. Because actually forces do have something in place, but actually if they don't, then that's the ideal time to sort of promote it. So um, I have got people sort of scattered around, but, you know, people tend to uh, contact me and then... um, And then we go from there. There was was one lady who's... um, who contacted me and I actually she was admitted to a mother and baby unit um and I went and visited her a few times in in the mother and baby unit just you know to just say it's gonna it is gonna it doesn't feel like it at the moment but it is gonna be okay and and I and I understand how despairing it feels at the moment but you know it's gonna be all right and sometimes it's just you know she would say to me oh you know I, I she said I really wanted to to go for promotion do you, do you think I'm going to be able to after all this you know it's just little things like that mm. that that really matter so mm. you know I've, I've always got someone I can put someone in contact with if they if they need to that's brilliant oh, amazing that conversation with you as well must have been so reassuring so that's why that peer network that peer support is so important oh it's amazing. so important it's yeah. so important yeah I said so if you hear thunder, we've got a massive storm that's just passing oh, overhead. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just muted because we've got a massive clap of thunder. So apologies if you can hear rain and thunder in the background. So, um, And I read some of your articles as well that, you, that you've got on LinkedIn, Jen. And, uh, you know, again, so insightful, really, really good. So insightful. So um, 
you know, I'll be really happy to share those as well. And, um, you know, if there's anything that, uh, that you'd like me to share either through the yeah. show notes in the podcast or through email or, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to do so. So just let yeah. me know if there's anything at all that I can do to, to help raise the profile a little bit of the work that you're doing. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the best way of doing that? Um, so I don't know if, if I've got an um, email address that is, um, it's not a, a, a police one. It's a standalone Yahoo one. So I can send mm. that to you. In sure. fact, it's the one that you sent, the personal one. Okay. Yeah. It's that one. Okay. I'll, um, um, I'll put that in the show notes so people can contact yeah. you through that as well. So. I'll, I'll text it to you so that you've definitely got the right one. And Perfect. Then, um, yeah, great. Yeah. So just contact on there. Um, and I will always email people back and, you know, even if I can't help them. I mean, people contact me for a lot of a lot of um, things like parenting stuff in general, really, because it's a real passion of mine. So yeah, sure. I love helping people around that. So um, even if I can't help them, I can always put them. Um, I know I'm sort of involved in a lot of sort of the National Women's Network. So I have links to lots of different forces. And if not, I can always find out quite easily. Incredible. Yeah, you know, I, I, I regularly, I'm in awe of people I chat to on these podcasts. I'm so lucky. I just get to chat to amazing people and share their story. And uh, yeah, absolute awe. You, you're doing incredible things. And and um, yeah, you should be very, very proud. And and I'll say that so often on these podcasts as well, but it is, it's true. Yeah. It's just, you listen to people's stories, and you go, wow, amazing. So um, Jen, thanks so much for your time. I know you're incredibly busy and obviously you really, you've got your hands full. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite literally pleasant and um but yeah it's been great to have you on the uh on the podcast oh, and thanks so much for sparing the time and uh, i look forward to catching again soon wicked thank you so much so i really hope you enjoy that massive thanks to jen for her time it's um a really important issue that you know impacts everything and uh, i think this impacts people a lot more than is probably realized and um so yeah, i thought it was very important to help Jen to, to raise awareness and, uh, and get the message out there that there is some help and support. So if you like what you've heard, then please leave a review. You can do that on Apple and on Spotify. And if you want to leave some nice comments as well, that'd be great. Uh, we're currently, uh, I think, number 19 or something in the uh, in the Apple charts for uh, for business and careers, which is amazing news. So thank you for listening. That, that means a huge amount to me. It really does. And that's only because it only gets there because the fact that you're listening to it. So thank you for that. You can uh, join the private Facebook group if you haven't done already. So that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash blue light levers. The doors will be opening, as I've said previously, to the Academy. And the Academy is a uh, subscription membership uh, where you get live Q&A sessions. You get um, uh, presentations from subject matter experts to do with CVs and LinkedIn and interviews and uh, obviously Q&A sessions with me as well. And um, and ask me anything and and there's tons of information and support there. So uh, doors will be opening to that uh, later on this month. If you want to find out a bit more about that, then you can contact me at andyoblueleaflevers.com. Thanks as always for listening. It means a huge amount to me. I really hope you find these useful and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in due course. Take care. Bye-bye.